When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. And we're back. A uh, scheduling alert. It's on me, obviously. Um, I had my times crossed. I had my times backward, backwards with the guests. So I think I told you Ted Wynn was going to join us right now. And Mike Golick Jr. would join us at 10.15. No, Mike Golick Jr. will join us now. He's the DraftKings NFL analyst. Him and his dad, Mike Golick Sr., host a live daily show on DraftKings Network. Gojo and Golick. Uh, they anchor DraftKings Network weekday morning show from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. So, correction, joining us now, the legend, Mike Golick, Jr. on the fan. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. Just a lot of uh, Super Bowl talk and notes and things. And, uh, you know, shout out to Sammy when I actually booked you guys. I had my times crossed in the text message. You know how sometimes you'll read a text and not really process it, and then you go and do your own things, and I just went back, and either way. Uh, so I queued you up as, as Ted Wynn. He'll join us in an hour, but good to have you with us tonight. I wish I had been Ted, too. Ted's a pretty smart guy. I enjoy his content, too. So I'll do my <laughs> best to fill in admirably in the spot that was supposed to be his. Yeah, you know what? He's a film guy. He's, he's definitely going to talk X's and O's. And you're a former player, and, I mean, I know we can talk X's and O's as well as the Jimmy's. And the Joes, I mean, obviously you know the conversation that's leading every talk show, every pundit, is the overtime rules, the players not knowing the overtime rules, and everybody pointing at Kyle Shanahan saying, inexcusable, his mistake, his fault. Oh, look what he did. And, and what I've been telling folks is hindsight is twenty twenty. I think it's a shame that NFL players don't know the rules, but it, it, it happens. Uh, but I'm not looking at Kyle Shanahan so much as like he lost – the game for everyone. I think that the game is bigger than just a decision on what to call uh, after the, the coin toss lands. What do you think about Mike Shanahan taking the ball, ultimately losing another Super Bowl, and these new overtime rules that we saw for the first time last night? Yeah, I think the overtime rules are good. It's a, it's a worthwhile change because there is such a debate about what the strategy should be and how it would work out. Uh, you know, Seth Walder, who uh, does a great job over at the ESPN Analytics Department, uh, pulled a bunch of different analytics departments around the NFL, the chief decision makers, helping these coaches figure out what to do with some of these new rule changes and said it was largely a 50-50 split in terms of what people thought about in that situation. And so, yeah, it sounds bad when the players don't know, but in my mind doesn't materially change any of the way they'd go about things. They still went out there and scored on the opening drive, albeit didn't get into the end zone. But None of that was a reflection of them not knowing the rules, nor was the fact that Patrick Mahomes just went down and showed his better was better than their better. So it, it sucks, and to me is more indicative of like, hey, Andy Reid and this Chiefs team, they were a part of the game that ended up getting this rule changed against the Bills a couple of years ago. And so Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for understanding, hey, we're going to have every situation mapped out, and we're going to be ready for anything because knowledge is power. But I, I don't think it's like a massive indictment of Kyle Shanahan. I would have definitely just opted to go and get the ball second because, as we saw there, giving Patrick Mahomes in particular the information he was armed with on that drive, knowing, hey, they got the ball second, 
they knew the 49ers kicked the field goal, and now they needed to go score, so they were going to have four downs at every juncture. That's probably too much to give the greatest player in, yep. in the NFL right now. Yeah, knowing that, okay, I can call game, I can walk us off by getting into the end zone, and then even looking at where the clock was, they left three three seconds on the clock, and a lot of people didn't realize that, hey, you know, we're going to roll over into a second period. I, I've said that this Super Bowl is going to be a classic. I feel like whether people understand that or not right now, that game had so many different things from offense, defense, uh, special teams, the halftime performance, the players in the game, the coaches in the game. Do you think we watched the classic last night, or are you thinking that, nah, that game was too slow, there wasn't enough points in the beginning? Hey, no, I mean, listen, the first half wasn't great. Like, it was a largely boring first half as they kind of jabbed and figured things out. But second half picked up, and, yeah, we ended up with a banger. And, I mean, the fact that this Kansas City Chiefs team now in this game officially puts an exclamation mark on the dynasty conversation that they're firmly at the center of, the fact that Patrick Mahomes now resume-wise in the postseason – basically only is in a group with Joe Montana and Tom Brady. He is leaving everyone else behind in terms of what he's done so far and did so with probably one of his best performances in a game where they still really lack the true number one receiving threat, where he had to deal with a bunch of low snaps, all this to the tune of still going out there and throwing for 333 yards in a game where he had to put the team on his back in the second half. Yeah, I mean, this game felt like a classic by the end between – two teams that have been at the forefront of really both conferences for a number of years now as as embodied by the fact that this is a rematch of a game that happened four years ago. So, yeah, I I think we watched one that's definitely going to be a classic because now it's folded into the Chiefs dynasty narrative that's firmly in force. Yeah, count it. I I mean, not just the dynasty talk. I opened up tonight talking about the MJ conversation. Like, I, I got into basketball as a kid because, like Mike, I wanted to be like Mike. Mike was winning. And nationally, globally, kids wanted to be Michael Jordan. I said that red 15 jersey is starting to be worn around the country like that red 23 jersey was. And uh, I saw Kevin Clark write something that goes along with, you know, kind of what you just said. Kevin Clark wrote on Twitter, the reason I think Mahomes is Michael Jordan is because Jordan relegated so many would-be legends to minor characters. He left literally no breathing room for anyone else and shaped the legacies of basically all his contemporaries. We might be seeing it again. He's on his way. In the year that Lamar Jackson won his second MVP, he lost to Patrick Mahomes. In the year that Josh Allen who the rule for the overtime was put in place because we didn't get to see Josh Allen take the ball. Oh, we finally get uh, a home game in Buffalo for Josh Allen versus Mahomes. Mahomes is able to knock him off. Uh, What do you have to say about the MJ comparisons and his contemporaries? There are no other quarterbacks in this NFL in, in the conversation with Mahomes. Honestly, I saw a stat that came out today that his three Super Bowl rings, the only other quarterbacks with Super Bowl rings, in the NFL, they total his three. Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Russell Wilson have three combined. Yeah, I, I think, and I said this before the season, Patrick Mahomes exists in a tier all on his own in terms of the quarterbacks in the NFL. There are a lot of other really compelling players. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow when he's healthy, Lamar Jackson obviously all in that next group down below Mahomes, but he, he is in a group all by himself and it's equal parts overwhelming ability that we've seen, but also in recent years, the way he's honed it 
into his craft. We remember him going on the shop saying, I didn't know what nickel was. I had struggles in the (laughs) early portion of his development. And now those have gone by the wayside. He's got enough reps and time under task, especially in the postseason, to where he has seen so much of what defenses are going to try and do. And he's done one of the really difficult things, which is adjust. He's the reason the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to change their entire style of play to become a team that can be led by the defense because they had to go out there and fill in the team differently once they paid him. They got to get rid of Tyreek Hill because Patrick Mahomes could offset that now has won two Super Bowls since one of the other most important forces on their offense changed and walked out the door. So, yeah, he's in a group all by himself. The Jordan comparison's apt. The Brady comparison's apt. All of it's there because he's now the dominant force in the league until further notice. And so the sky's the limit on what they can accomplish because they've already shown they can weather a fair amount of change. This is a team that has a head coach in Andy Reid that's one of the best of all time. Brett Veach in the front office, their GM, have done an incredible job of hitting on those picks around Patrick Mahomes. And so we're allowed to have a fair amount of confidence in them going forward based on the trajectory they've demonstrated when the star of your team is only 28 years old and now only has two peers that are two of the all-time greats in Brady and Montana. Yeah, we're on the phone right now with Mike Golick Jr. He's an NFL analyst, college football analyst, former college football player, obviously knows his stuff. You're probably familiar with him. Let's talk about the quarterback on the other side. For Mr. Irrelevant, for a game manager, for a guy that I just feel like he was disrespected so much in the second season where all he did was win and get them back to the Super Bowl. And I think he made some plays last night. He took some hits last night where he showed he's not just anybody. He's an NFL quarterback. He's a good quarterback. What are your thoughts on Brock Purdy in year two? And uh, what are your thoughts about all the all the disrespect that he gets and, and all the labels that people put on him? Yeah, I think Brock's a product of having a lot of conversations at the same time, and so we get a little bit confused about who we're responding to. Brock Purdy had a great season. Brock Purdy has grossly outperformed his draft status. He's an awesome player, and he did make some plays. He played a fine game last night. He made a bunch of plays under pressure, but we also saw and have seen during this postseason run some of the physical limitations show up that happens with quarterbacks that are undersized or immobile. Brock is the former. He's not the latter. We've seen his legs. He can hurt you with that. He can make special plays with his feet to buy time, but pressure up the middle affects quarterbacks that are smaller or immobile more than it does the freaks of nature that we mentioned that are at the top of the NFL's quarterback tiers right now. And so I think for the 49ers, they've got one more year where Brock Purdy is bargain bin Brock Purdy, where they've got him on that rookie contract where he's making just over a million dollars. And so they've got to mortgage everything they possibly can to make sure that they get over the mountaintop next year. Because after that, listen, Brock Purdy going into this season, I think the under-talked-about element of his entire story was the fact that he didn't get an offseason. He was injured in the NFC Championship game famously last year and a throw elbow on his throwing arm. So that prevented him from having the normal offseason of growth that most players early in their career get and have a chance to make massive strides in. Brock's going to have a full offseason this year. He's going to have all that time with Kyle Shanahan again with the benefit of experience from this year. So he's probably going to get better because the pieces around him are still great as well. And so if he goes out and has another season like this, you're probably going to have to pay him if you're San Francisco, and then life gets very hard because you've been the team with the juggernaut roster for a long time now, and that's going to change if you've got to pay Brock Purdy the going rate for high-end quarterback playing the NFL after next year. So it becomes a very complicated conversation around Brock Purdy because he's a great player. He does not impact the game in the same way that the other guys I mentioned, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, Josh Allen. Like It's just 
we don't have to go a step too far and say that he's those guys either, even if he is a very good quarterback and a reason why the 49ers were as competitive as they were. Yeah, and I mean, there's something to be said. Like, last Super Bowl that the Niners lost to the Chiefs, they had Jimmy G, and he missed open throws. I know Brock missed a couple open throws last night, but I think he makes more plays. I think he, he makes them better than Jimmy G. Obviously, they moved on from him. And then after they lost that Super Bowl, what did they do in the next draft? They went to draft Trey Lance. They moved heaven and earth to get Trey Lance. How did that work out? All right, Jerry Jones ended up claiming Trey Lance for a fourth-round pick. So I just... I've been trying to put some respect on Brock Purdy's name. And, and the last question I want to ask you is about the big men up front. I know you're always campaigning for the big boys. And I think going into that game, many people thought that it was just advantage Niners on both sides of the ball. The D-line, there's too many names to name for the 49ers. The offensive line, Trent Williams and those guys. I mean, with Joe Tooney being out for the Chiefs, I think folks just thought the, the you know advantage was going to be for the San Francisco not 49ers in the trenches. But, man... A lot of guys showed themselves on that offensive line and defensive line for the Chiefs yesterday. What do you say to that? Yeah, they weathered the early storm because San Francisco did come out and perform better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I thought San Francisco's defensive front seven that had been much maligned for a lot of the playoffs because they gave up a lot of rushing yards throughout that run really bowed up big time in this game. They came out and set the physical tone. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, all these guys decided they were going to reestablish the line of scrimmage in favor of them, and they controlled a lot of the early game. They forced Kansas City into negative plays early, and they gave their pass rushers a chance to impact the game and make Mahomes look pedestrian for a large portion of the first half. So they deserve a ton of credit. Steve Wilkes, a couple of questionable blitz decisions late in that game, but to your point, I do want to give Kansas City a lot of credit. The interior of that offensive line, Nick Allegretti, who stepped up as the backup in the last two games there, performed really well in Joe Tooney's absence. Those guys were able to go and buy time for Mahomes as the game went on, and they had to rely more on that pass game. Rushing attack wasn't there much that night, but that's, again, uh, I think part of the 49ers finally playing up to their standard there. But this Kansas City defensive front between Chris Jones and what an absolute game wrecker and closer he's been for this team, the way George Karloftis stepped up their draft pick, out of Purdue that's really become a bright spot on that defensive line. The other defensive tackles, Mike Pinnell against the run was a juggernaut in this game. And that linebacker group, I can't say enough good things about what this Kansas City unit has become. And the man at the helm for all of that, Steve Spagnola, has been an absolute monster in terms of a defensive uh, game plan designer in the postseason for his entire NFL career. He's been a part of multiple championship outlets now. And he's a big part of the reason why going forward, if you're Kansas City, you can have a lot of confidence that you're likely going to lose Chris Jones and you've got the right coordinator to be able to overcome that based on what we've seen him do with those parts, based on the talent they have on the back end of that defense and guys like Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie to feel good going forward. That group held it down for Kansas City for the majority of that game until the offense came online enough to win in some critical moments down the stretch. Yeah, like Mahomes said last night, the Chiefs are never underdogs and also they are a dynasty and they're just getting started. That team is built to be around for the next few years at least. Mike Golick Jr., thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. That was Mike Golick Jr. from DraftKings, from the Gojo and Golick podcast, covering the NFL, covering college football. Just good conversation with another football guy on the fan.